I'll be in Exodus chapter 3, starting around verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. But Moses protested. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hey, Dinka, can you play the video? Sermon bumper? There you go. I worked on that. I wanted you to see it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. There I was setting in the soon-to-be Hall of Fame high school basketball coach's office. Uh, Mr. Al Williams, he, he had been the coach of North Adams Rams for over a few decades by this point. It was either the end of my sophomore year or the beginning of my junior year. The, the basketball team I had been a part of was one of the most successful group of guys uh, starting in our middle school year where we went undefeated for two years and then continued to uh, have success. Many of the starters had real talent coupled with the skill that the coaches brought along. While Mr. Williams was the athlete, he was also the athletic director and served as the high school guidance counselor. Any, had, anybody have those combination platters in your high school? Yeah. So there I sat. Up to this point, the longest conversation I'd had with him was on the basketball court. Uh, JV, I was playing JV along this, along this time, and he came along and showed me how to actually shoot a free throw correctly. That was it. Really, I mean, except for highs and all that kind of stuff in the hall. He always was really good uh, at assessing what was coming up, as most uh, varsity coaches are. And in this process, we wanted to help me shoot better and attempt to pass along uh, what he knew. While I sat behind his desk, he asked me, uh, and he was sitting on the other side, he, he had heard that I was not going to play uh, my junior year and I responded that that's true Mr. Williams I'm not going to play we had a short discussion and he asked why and I asked him because I knew who I was and what my skill and talents and all those things were I asked him would I ever play in a game and he responded oh no no but you make a great practice player and I brought value to to his court that way we end our conversation with a courteous thank yous and I never did play again in high school but as I was preparing for this message this is the thoughts that were going through the mind uh, the reflections I had Uh, was it that I would never play on the court or is it was it that he never could could promise that I would play but he would help me to play 
Did he see something in me that I didn't see in me? Or that I didn't even have the confidence that was within me? Could it very well be that I was just intimidated by the whole process? And that somehow by my grit, not skill or talent, my persistence and drive, that I could, I could see a little bit of playing time on that team. All I could think about as I was moving towards this message was that, that maybe he saw something in me. And so the question that really kind of formed into what today is, is this title, me? You want me? Well, Happy New Year and welcome. First, thank you, Ipsy Free Family. Uh, Ipsy Family. Ipsy Free Family is truly a family that lives and loves, uh, not only through prayer, but prayer was very much welcome. We welcomed our first grandson, Elijah, right there. Yeah, cute kid, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Rebecca and Derek, if you're wondering, are doing fine and loving their son and figuring out what this is all about. While at the same time he was being born, some of you know this, I uh, was taking my mom to the ER where a series of unfortunate events placed her in the hospital and uh, placed her there for seven days uh, until we were able to travel back to Michigan. So very grateful for the prayers that you have been praying. Continue to pray for her. Her health situation in some ways is still quite fragile. And uh, so the journey is going to be long to recovery. So thank you for that. Second, I want to thank uh, Brother Ray, who's not here this morning, but I believe he's online, uh, about bringing the word at the end of 2023. He's been faithful in doing that and being very willing, and we're grateful that he's a part of the Ipsy Free family. So thank you, Brother Ray, for kicking off, uh, for bringing the word to our family. And lastly, I want to thank Pastor Mark. Uh, His first Sunday gets to be uh, the Sunday he gets to preach first. That's not always the way it usually should work, but uh, we had conversations early in the fall saying, hey, this is probably the way it's going to roll. Would you be okay? And so I want to thank you for doing that and thank you for kicking off our series Consecrate last Sunday, which is not his brainchild, it's my brainchild. So that's kind of hard to do, to be really honest when you want to kick off. Sometimes it's good to slot yourself into it, but it's not always to begin it. So thank you for doing that, Pastor Mark, and welcome to you and Mary today. I do hope, as we've already talked about, that you're joining us for the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, This rhythm is a wonderful way to start the new year. As many of us have found in discussion already this morning with the worship team has been rich. It's just been beautiful as people have been contemplating the, uh, the scripture, but also have been deeply uh, in prayer, I can tell. So if you're not a part of it, I just want to ask, and I want to kind of lean in, uh, join us in this journey. Uh, allow the word of God to do the work of God. Uh, allow, allow your prayer times to be saturated with this, this question even, if you don't even know what consecrate means. You don't even maybe know the passage means. Ask God, and he is so good, he'll come along. So uh, join us. It's never too late, actually, to get into the rhythms, the rhythms of the practices of Jesus. Prayer and fasting is part of that. So as Pastor Mark kicked us off with the the Moses encounter with a bush that did not burn up, we found that we are called into the presence of God. And the presence of God is his holiness. 
The first time we're in God's word, we encounter God making something, something holy. And the incredible thing is it's not a thing so much as it's time. It's this period of time that is really to be endless. Uh, We call it Sabbath, or he called it Sabbath for us. And it has kind of this uh, mysteriousness about it that even as we talked this morning, or maybe you've looked at the scripture and you're like, how does this fit into my life? Sabbath is kind of one of those things, and it's it's really kind of a, it, it kind of balances against this idea of God's holiness and who he is. But God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Out of anything else, he just declared a day holy. Can you believe it? I mean, it's really, in some ways, uh, kind of this mysterious thing, but chronos, Our time itself gets declared holy. One out of seven is his. And may I just suggest that if we're followers of Jesus, that one out of seven are his still today. We can have conversations about that, but I believe that he gave it to us as a gift. And there are many places uh, within the Old Testament, the pattern of Jesus' living, that we see that he continues to want to gift this day, this 24-hour period of time, to you and to me if we're following Jesus. But what transpires for Moses in those moments of seeing a bush that does not burn up? What transpires? As we've already said, it's holiness. Holiness. It's, and holiness is kind of one of those words that's tough to grab your, put your mind around or, or your, your whole being around, really. It's otherness. It's set apart. It's not common. And I know this may be hard to understand, but when God declares something holy, it is. That's just the way it is. Sets aside. So a bush on fire is a call from a holy God to a sacred place to Moses. It's so holy that there's a consecrating act that we don't often identify that way, but we may know it is this. God tells him to take off his shoes. He says, consecrate yourself, or it's holy ground. Take off your shoes, because what, you, what you're bringing in on the bottoms of your shoes doesn't belong near a holy God. It is incredible. So God is holy, and Moses is being called into a space that's not just for a moment. And this is what we must grasp. It's not just for a moment. God is calling Moses into a lifetime of holiness, a living for him. Hey, Moses, yeah, God, come close. Walk with me. Walk with me. Me? Me? Maybe we even feel that today. Maybe that's even our response today. We come to church dutifully, religiously, ritually, But he wants it so much more. He wants it relationally. He wants you to come close to him. We sense the Holy Spirit nudging us to follow Jesus. Yet, I think in so many places and spaces, we protest. We go, me? Really? This is where we jump back into the text for today. So if you have your Bibles... You want to turn to Exodus chapter 3. I mean, it won't be on the screen. 
That's what I'm trying to tell you. So if you have it on your phone, that's great. If you have it in your Bible, I know. It's crazy. It's it, the second book in, of, or back book or manuscript in your Bible. So if you turn there, you can find it. Genesis, Exodus, right there. Exodus chapter three. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible or a Bible that you feel that you can read well, you're more than welcome to take the one in front of you or we have some out in the lobby that the connection team will be more than willing to give to you because we believe that the Bible is God's written word and it's powerful to change people's lives. Exodus chapter three, starting in the 10th verse. Now go for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. This is after Moses has encountered the burning bush. After he's encountered the bush that does not burn up, that's probably what it should say, because the burning bush, you have this assumption that it's gonna burn. But we, we know that it, at least at that point, it didn't burn up. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel or out of uh, people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. Uh, Do you see the human nature in this? Do you see it? Do you feel it? God, the creator of all, has just ushered Moses into a sacred space, a sacred place. He realizes this is something he couldn't do. And yet he's protesting repeatedly. You ever been in a place where you want to catch the glimpse of somebody who is great? a favorite band, an artist, an actor, an author, the list can go on. You just want to be somewhere where you can see them, right? You expect just to be able to see them. But what if they saw you? What if they saw you? That would be pretty cool, right? But what if it was, what what was Michael Buble, which I know he does this on a regular basis. What if he said, come on up? And he hands you the mic, and he says, start, band, start. And you're to sing. What would happen within you? Well, some, as in some of those you maybe have seen, those clips, they start singing as well as anybody. But that's, that wouldn't be me. I'd be like, no, nah, this is not my stage. This is not my play. This is not my time, right? I mean, It would be overwhelming. We just want to catch a glimpse. We just want to go to the concert. We don't want to be on stage. It's that feeling right there. Wherever you have been, when somebody has asked you to step into something you don't know whether you can do or not, that's what I'm trying to grasp. What is it? Where has that been? That's Moses right there. So don't don't cast him aside by protesting. Just realizes humanity in that, right? God to Moses, hey, I, I've got a plan. Yeah, God? You're going to lead my people out of the very place you ran away from. Now, there's a lot of history here, so you may have to go back and read, but you, remember, M- Moses is not unfamiliar with Pharaoh. He's not unfamiliar with Egypt. He's not unfamiliar with all of that terrain. 
He doesn't want to go back there. And he's definitely fearful because of what he did, and he ran away. I'm sure, though, right? Just like in your social media feed or in your journal, that God, or that Moses wrote about this intersection about the bush that doesn't burn up. Can you imagine? There I was, tending my sheep. You wouldn't believe this, but the, the bush, it never burned up. And as I got closer, I heard somebody say, hey, come closer. Can you imagine it? I mean, we love those experiences. We love those upper room experiences. We love those conference experiences. We love those high and holy moment experiences, don't we? We, we just find ourselves just drawn into them. In fact, some of us schedule our lives from experience to experience to experience to experience because we like living off the feeling, maybe not living off the life that's called to. It's an amazing thing to be called a child of the king, to be called God's very own. It's an amazing thing, right? I mean, but those high and holy moments, they're there, well, they're there for a certain reason. We're not careful, those high and holy moments, we think that they are the journey when they're only part of the journey. I was listening to somebody share about how many New Year's resolutions are being made by people as a general rule. I think the number was close to 80%, yet those making resolutions about, I guess, I'm guessing, because I was just listening as I was doing other things, nobody else does that, right? Uh, about 85% of those resolutions by the end of the year are, are failures. They, they do, are not completed. He went on to share that most of us want to enjoy the feeling of getting to the goal, right? But we don't enjoy the journey. We don't enjoy the place of the unknowns, the knowns, the incredible wonderings, whether how it's going to turn out. We, we tend to get a little skittish about that. In fact, when we're invited into some things, we tend to step away going, I'm not sure if I've ever done that before. I don't know if I can do that. We just want to be at the end of the journey. Everybody wants to get to heaven. Moses had to be thinking, what a cool God to create a bush that doesn't burn up. I mean, we, time is, is kind, of a, kind of nebulous when we read scripture sometimes. So we're not sure how close together all this stuff was. A high and holy moment by God. Even declared by him. Yet the presence of God is not in the bush. Just as the presence of God is not in the song we sing, that we love and we, we lift and praise. That's not, that's not the presence of God. He inhabits that space, but it's not the song. It's not the roller coaster ride. It's not the trip. He is distinctly other than. That's why we're not pantheists. He is distinctly other you see, the bush was to get Moses' attention. It was not to keep him captive. Really? Me, Lord? You sure you want me? Yes, I'm sure. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? There must have been this gracious cough from heaven about that. <coughs> God answered, remember, I'll be with you. You will have a sign 
And if, no, okay, not Christmas sign, virgin will be, anyway. But I am has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. I think God was trying to press in on this point. It's not you. It's never been you. It will, I mean, you bring some great things, your creative nature, but it's the creation, creative nature that you have, the skills, gifts, and talents, they, they were given to you by someone. And they're not you. They were given to you by me. This is his point. I will be with you. If I say you can do something, you will be able to do it. As is Moses, I have this little big thing with God. I know he is the one who saves me. And I say saves because it's a continual action always being done. It's part of sanctification. It's part of that holiness. I cannot do it. Yet there's a part of me that is of me that God is continually pressing out of me, thinking that it is me. When people ask me to do something, or when God presses on me to, hey, you can have this conversation, and I'm like, eh, sounds kind of messy to me, right? Oh. Paul states it this way in the letter to Philippians of what God is doing in me. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and troubling, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. You see, the point of, I think, a part of the point of Scripture in its whole context is it's not you. It's not me. It's God. Always has been. And our willingness to trust. Verse 13 Continuing, but God, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. But Moses protested, what does this mean? You want me? I like the burning bush thing, God. I love that. Can you do that again? Uh, But this thing about going, this thing about mission, this thing about living out the name of God in my neighborhood, really? You know, and by the way, by the way, God, did you know that the place that you're sending me, he thinks he's you? Pharaoh thinks he's God. Just, again, Moses, I'm trying to tell you. Tell him, tell Moses the I am is in the house. There's nothing else that needs to be said. Moses, like us, fails to see what's right before him. A God who can make a bush burn without burning up. I mean, think about it. You lit a bush lately? I mean, that would burn? usually burns to the ground. I mean, there's more to it than that. You know, everything that I put a match to usually burns down, and I have some history on that one. This is the who that really does matter. Take off your sandals, Moses. This is holy ground, not because, because of the ground, but because the I am is present. 
This issue is in our tissue too. When we're called by the, by the God who creates a bush that does not burn up, we're also called to the mission in the kingdom of God. We know that God can save us, but this whole mission thing, right? We sometimes forget how we're saved or we're believing our own headlines about ourselves. Uh, forget your salvation. If you follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, Jesus saved you. You didn't save yourself from sin. You can't. It was done on the cross by a sinless Savior. He does it. He creates that cleansing of heart, mind, and soul. That relationship restoration that we have with him. Or maybe it's this, we believe our own headlines, and they go two different ways. We think we're better than we are, or we think we're not as good as what God is trying to tell us. Uh, we can, you know, we can, <laughs> we can do it our way, Lord. Uh, last night we put some music on, or two nights ago we put some music on for dinner and, you know, kind of some, uh, some good uh, background music. And yep, uh, you know, I, don't, I forget who sings it, uh, but I'll do it my way. Came on and I was thinking, oh, yeah, so much so, right? God has given you skill, talent, etc. Yet, are you going to let him use it within you? You see, I love this quote from Mark Batterson. God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Some of you have seen this before. It's not new by any stretch of the imagination, but I believe it's quite true. I'm not sure what it was for Moses. Was he forgetting the flames or believing his own headlines, his feelings? In Exodus 3, verses 14 through 16, it says this, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent you to, I, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent you, sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. God says to Moses, in the rescue plan. Remember, if you're going, when you go, that I will always do the heavy lifting of anything I ask you to do. If God is asking you to do something, he will do the heavy lifting. And what he's reminding them of and reminding Moses of in that moment, you know your ancestors? I was with them. I did all the heavy lifting in every situation in their lives. So, I am will be with you. God then goes on to tell Moses in such a great way, great way how he's going to rescue the people. Now, if you read on in chapter 3, you'll go, that seems to be, uh, he's really telling him his whole plan just in a short, uh, short little bit. He is. I mean, we don't often get kind of the, what he's going to do. He just asks us to do the next thing, right? But with Moses, he says, look, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what, how Pharaoh's going to respond to all of this. 
And after God gets done sharing the plan with Moses, these are the words that Moses responds to again. Moses protested in Exodus 4.1. And God in his graciousness says, you know that staff that's in your hand that you're tending the sheep with? Throw it down. It turns into a snake. And he says, pick it up again. And he grabs it by the tail and it turns back into a staff. He says, slip your hand in your clo- coat. Pull it out. His hand became leprous or some dis- skin disease. We assume leprosy. And he slipped it back into his hand, coat, slipped it back out became normal again. Upon Moses' protesting, God graciously reminds him who he is. Uh, Exodus 4.10, Moses pleaded with the Lord, you know I can't speak. Now I find this one funny because I'm reading uh, reading through the Bible again this year and I'm already in Exodus like 32 or 33. And the amazing thing is Moses has vocal cords. He uses them quite often. But he says here, I can't speak, you know that, right? All right, Moses, I'm getting a little tired. Call your, uh, call your relative Aaron. Bring him along, let him speak. 4.13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And this is where he says Aaron's coming along. We need to be reminded over and over again while we're called into the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus calls us into mission, into living the life in front of and for others. So God doesn't, does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call all the time, over and over and over again. Well, I don't believe in living in regret, yet reflections of sitting in Al Williams' office got me to thinking, as I said. How many times has God invited me, though, into the kingdom mission, and I have protested. I said, nah, not me. Send someone else. I can't speak. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and we could chronicle my own life alone. And who am I protesting to? The very one who created my mouth, the very one who give, gave me, uh, the, is going to give the platform of where he's sending me in those moments. And I'm telling him, nah, nah, I'm too busy. I don't have the talent. I mean, the list goes on. Moses had this kind of unique uh, interchange, and we could, this would be a long study in and of itself, but Moses. Uh, interchange with God is vastly unique because he heard from God. And we assume that it was a pretty audible uh, kind of conversation piece, which is wonderful. But how does the Lord speak to us? See, that's really the question, right? If, if God's speaking to Moses and Moses has a call in his life and we believe that Jesus has not only saved us but has sent us, then how does he speak to us in the sentness, if you will. Well, we believe that God's word. It's one of the reasons why we want you to be in God's word, because God's word in its own right has the, have, it, there's no magic about it. It's just living and active. It has power that when you read it, it starts to change the very structure of who you are. 
You have to contend with it. The other way that God speaks in this day and age, we believe and we know is God's people. Have you ever asked, had somebody walk up to you and say, hey, have you ever thought about being in a community group? And your first response is, no. Can I just tell you, uh, and if it was me, uh, you know, because that happens quite often, or to do some other ministry, kid zone or whatever, and your initial response is no, are you sure that's not the Lord speaking to you, challenging you in what you're doing? I'm not saying it is. I think that you have to not dismiss it as if it's human, especially if it's somebody inside the church that is part of the kingdom, is part of working in it. I think one of the other ways the Lord speaks is the needs around us. Pastor Mark spoke to this last week. He's like, (laughs) I loved it. It's like, here we have somebody in St. Joe Hospital and we're praying that God God send somebody to go meet with them and could it very well be that you're supposed to be the one that's supposed to go meet with them? It's a need. You know about it. They need a friend. They need an advocate. They need somebody praying for them and uh, pulling for them. It's that whole love your neighbor thing that we, you know, sometimes quickly dismiss. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot because the Holy Spirit is this presence of the Lord, as Francis said earlier, right? And so if you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, which I, I understand that, you know, I had one friend in one of the ministry outposts that I was in talk about, you know, when we start to sing and when we're, we walk through the whole service, the very hairs on my neck just stand up. And so a longer conversation, I realized he wasn't f- afraid of anything, right? So that sometimes happens like when we're afraid. That I was like, man, the Holy Spirit's just on you, buddy. What is he saying? So we have these, these things that transpire sometimes to our physical bodies. Sometimes in our minds, we have these thoughts like, oh, yep, right there. That's where I protested. In fact, I'm guessing that even as we've talked about it, somebody, somebody's mind went, oh, I shut the, I shut the Lord off. I'm not allowing him to use me, right? The other way that I think that he speaks to us is, is actually through community. Well, the, God's people, but community and ministries and mission around us, right? What's transpiring that we've partnered with already? I want to remind you of this, that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. That Moses had no idea on how to lead all of these Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, when I was reading in Genesis, it was kind of interesting, and I'm not sure how many Israelites there were at this point. Somebody's going to tell me later, I know, because they know how many that were let out. But at the time of Joseph's death, there were only there were like 70 something. I mean, it was a small number. Of, of counted numbers. It was just incredible. And then this, over this 400-year period, period of time, there's this, just this huge group, right? I wouldn't know how to lead, you know, that many people out of one land to another to think that you would. I mean, he was going to equip them all the way. The cloud, the pillar of fire, God was with them. So what, what do we do with this? What is our next step? If we're talking about consecrating ourselves to a holy God, 
what do we do with this? Well, one, I told you I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks. And as we pray at the beginning of every one of our services that the Holy Spirit would speak to those who are desirous. So it very well could be that I don't have to suggest anything, and I believe that, that there's actually something that the Holy Spirit's already dropped in your mind, dropped on your heart, giving you an idea, a thought, just like you would have an idea or a thought in another place. I mean, I think he does that. That he may have called you to that. But there's another side of this that I think is very real that we have to deal with, and that's the human side of it, the human factor that Moses was going through. While he's called by a holy God, his creator God, he's calling us, And here we are, mired in our humanness, our fear, our anxiousness, our low self-worth. We we feel inadequate for the task. Some of us feel tired. We feel overworked. We feel busy. And it may just be a call to just step into what the Lord may want, whatever that next step would be. Is it taking a meal to your neighbor? Is it potentially going on a limb and when you're at a restaurant, somebody comes to your table, you know, and you're like, hey, how are you? And they're like, you know, I've had better days. And we have the option of leaving it there or we have the beautiful response of like, oh, tell me about it. And I get it. They only have a short window of time, but it's amazing how wait staff can just kind of drop and you have the wonderful say, hey, can, can I pray? Will, will you allow me to pray for you? Will you allow me to be that conduit? You don't say this to them. But allow me to be that conduit between you and a living God who can change that. You see, I wouldn't know how to lead the Israelites out. I'd like to think I could. In my, in my younger days, I probably, in my arrogance, I would have gone, oh, I know how to do this, you know, divide them up and all that kind of stuff, right? But I, I wouldn't know how to do that. What, Mo, what God is calling Moses in to is this day by day, minute by minute, dependence on him. That's what consecration is. That's what consecration is. That's what living by the Holy Spirit is all about is that we let go of what we know or think we know and surrender it to a God who transforms it, leads us. Me? You want me? The Lord's response is, I want you. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful that you put real stories in this living book we call a Bible. I mean, these heroes of our faith are really humans of our faith who demonstrate what we go through, but how you transform them, how you change them, how you bring along a gracious response to their continual protesting. Father, some of us have been protesting way too long. 
We have forgotten what it means to trust in a God who we say has created us, who fills our lungs with, with animating air. So, Father, I, I pray this morning it would just, simple but really not so simple, that we'd find our place, uh, find in this space a place where we can just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You created me. I'm going to trust you. You gave me my mouth. I'm going to trust you. Father, allow us to be surrendered and submitted to you. Allow Moses' story to take us to your place and your space so we may trust you. Some of you have, well, it's been a while since you've been in this kind of a space. And the whole idea of following God, giving your life to Jesus, the Bible is just all strangely new. Or it's a new territory. And so... Can I just tell you that I believe that God hasn't led you here by accident. He has a purpose and a design. And what you've been introduced to is a God who comes alongside, a God who says, I will be with you no matter what you go through, no matter what I call you to. If it's, it's been a while since you've been here or it's simply you've never trusted Jesus, Maybe this prayer that's on the screen is for you. It simply goes like this. Thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name. Father, I'm grateful that you give us this space, this community, this time where we can give you our affection and our attention. Mm, You're good.